Thank you for listening to Christian Family Church Podcast. Here at CFC, our mission is to live and communicate the power of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ to the world around us. From wherever you're listening, we hope you'll be encouraged by this week's message. Morning. I don't know about you, but sometimes during times of worship, I, I really get deeply moved and I'd like to thank the team that has led us in worship today, Mandy and the team. It was really a blessing today. We are so fortunate to have such a team of willing servants who are coming to serve us and to to work, minister to us through these times of worship. I spoke at a church a few weeks ago who had one person who could play a guitar and that was their only way of providing music for their worship time. We are so blessed and we're just thankful for the servants that do that and for everybody who serves us in this place. In John chapter 13... Verses 12 to 15, we read that after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, Do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord. And you are right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet... You ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. Now, we are in a series of messages about the servant king. And Andrew asked us last in the first week of this series about the servant king, are we being stirred by love? Love is the motive for obedience and service. The next week we watched a message about being salt from Pastor Cass from Adelaide. Being salt is being a witness by the way we behave. People are watching us as Christians and the way we behave and the way we react to other people and the way we are in our community. And being salt, as long as we've got our saltiness, we can serve. And last week, Andrew asked us to concentrate on being the helper, the healer, and the friend. As a healer, as we follow Jesus, we can show compassion for those that we encounter in our lives. As a helper, we can provide assistance to those in need. Go out and work in somebody's backyard and clean it up. And as a helper, we can Look after the broken, the people that are in trouble, the people that are struggling with their existence. We can get alongside these people and support them. Service is helping others who need assistance. Christ-like service grows out of our love for Jesus and concern for those he gives the opportunities, those who gives us the opportunities and the direction to help without any expectation of reward. That's the important thing. We've been entrusted 
with the sacred task of caring for the poor and needy, we have been called to make a difference in the lives of people who need us the most. Now, there is no doubt that people are stirred in times of need. Right now, as we look around the northern part of our state, most of us are probably up to our ankles in water, but the people in the northern part of our state are being devastated by floods. And these floods are moving down the Murray and there's going to be affecting others for many, many months to come. And people are being volunteering. People are joining clubs like Rotary and Lions and so forth to help in any way they can. All sorts of people, not just Christians. BCC Emergency Ministries is one such organisation. It is a multi-faith, multicultural organisation that responds to emergencies in Victoria. And a number of people from this church, I know, are or have been involved in VCCEM. Many of the volunteers of Christians who are motivated by the love of Jesus in this multi-faith organisation where they are not encouraged to share their faith with other people, but to just be there. Their motto is compassion in times of crisis. I looked up the website last Sunday and it said this, VCCEM has been flat out providing support for Victorian communities affected by floods. We have had or still have teams in Maryborough, Bendigo, Echuca, Shepparton, Castlemaine, Nathalia, Geelong, Avoca, Beaufort, Seymour, Nagambi, and we are providing compassion in times of crisis. There are currently 1,400 volunteers to VCCEM and they have supported 14,900 people since January 2020. Most of these during the bushfires of 2019-20. Now I said before that Christian service is, is not desirous of acknowledgement or recognition. They do it because of love for Christ and wanting to serve and help. But while recognition is not a motivation, when we choose to serve sometimes, the efforts are recognised. The National Emergency Medal is awarded to persons who render sustained and significant service during nationally significant emergencies in Australia. And it is part of the Australian Honours and Awards issued by the Governor-General. Since 2009, this has been, the National Emergency Medal has been awarded five times. Victorian bushfires of 2009, the Queensland floods 2010, and Cyclone Yasi, Tropical Cyclone Debbie in 2017, the Queensland floods of 2019, and the 2019 to 20 bushfires in which VCCEM was very much involved. And just last month, VCCEM, a number of their 
volunteers received the National Emergency Medal. And this is because there were 279 individuals involved in this. And they were deployed to 14 sites across the state. And they operated from the 31st of December through to the 20th of March when COVID-19 came along and stopped all activity for people meeting with other people. 82 days of a bushfire campaign, 14 relief centres, 279 volunteers, and all of this equated to about 287 days of service provided by these people. And during that time, they ministered to or supported 11,235 Victorians. So the Governor-General decided to recognise this by awarding a medal. None of the people who volunteer to serve expected recognition or did they receive that much other than the thanks of those that they served. Now, a willingness to serve is a theme throughout the scriptures. Through Jesus' teaching, through the New Testament writers, it's all about love and compassion. Last week, Andrew mentioned the difference between me time and G time, or God time. Now, he suggested this was a corny premise, but I don't think so, if you really think about it. The society in which we live suggests countless ways of making it, going up, striving, reaching the limelight, getting in the papers, getting your face on the news. And that's what draws attention. The way of Jesus is radically different. It's not the way of upward mobility, but downward mobility. The way of Jesus is really worth choosing because it's the way to the kingdom, the way Jesus took and what he brings, the example that he set by washing feet, by being willing to just to serve the servant king. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 9, we read, In our relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to use to his own advantage, Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has exalted him to the highest place and given him the name above every other name. The most striking example of servanthood, Jesus humbles himself through obedience. Jesus revolutionised our understanding of leadership by teaching this downward mobility, by performing the tasks of a slave. 
Jesus, Jesus models how we are to serve one another. The Spirit of God transforms our motives of serving. We serve Lord, the Lord by recognising our spiritual gifts. And in our enthusiasm in investing them in the ministries of the church. And in this place we serve through many, many ways. Regardless of the level of our gifts and abilities, God wants us to serve for his glory. Now in Matthew chapter 25 we find the last, really, of Jesus' parallels, parables, I mean to say. The last two, these last two chapters, or chapters 24 and 25 rather, are seen together as sort of a, an end times narrative. It is the, the last recorded of the five major passages of Jesus that Matthew records. And this is where Jesus is warning his disciples. He knows what's going to happen in the next few days. Jesus is warning his disciples to be watchful. Not to be deceived as others will come claiming to be leaders, claiming to be from God, claiming to be from Christ. And he's warning them to be watchful. And in chapter 25, he says three, there are three parables. There's the first one where he reminds them to be prepared. And he tells the parable of the ten virgins, the bridesmaids who are, who are watching for the bridegroom. And five of them have plenty of oil for their lamps to keep the, the way lighted. And the other five are a bit lazy and they don't carry the oil with them and they... They don't do the right thing and so they're not prepared and so therefore God is not pleased with you if you're not prepared. Then there is the parable of the, of the talents. And in the parable of the, of the talents um, is how important it is to use your gifts. And use them in the way they've been given to you. Not sit on them, not bury them, not try to prevent others from seeing them, but to use them. And then comes the parable of the sheep and the goats. If it, indeed it is a parable, it is the story of the sheep and the goats is very reminiscent of, of the Revelation. This is... It's about the king coming on his throne in his glory. And it says this, and we got it on screen in the message version. There, Selena? Good. When he finally arrived, blazing in beauty and all his angels with him, the Son of Man will take his place on his glorious throne. Then all the nations will be arranged before him and he will sort the people out, much as a shepherd sorts the sheep from the goats, putting the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Enter 
you who are blessed by my Father. Take what's coming for you in the kingdom. It's been ready for you since the world's foundation. Here is why. I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was homeless and you gave me a room. I was shivering and you gave me clothes. I was sick and you stopped to visit. And I was in prison and you came to me. Then those sheep are going to say, Master, what are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry and feed you, thirsty and give you a drink? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and come to you? Then the king will say, I'm telling you the solemn truth. Whenever you did this to the least of these things, to someone overlooked or ignored, you did it to me. Jesus is painting an image of what lens that we should be looking through when we see people. Because these are God's creations. These are Jesus' people. And we need to be seeing through that lens, Jesus, when we look upon the people in need. And that's why he's saying, you people who have reacted this way are blessed. Now, if you, as you read on in that, that parable, it's virtually the same words are being said except it is, you did not feed me, you did not visit me, you did not hunger me. And the, and the goats say, when did we ever see you hungry? When did we ever see you with our clothes? When did we ever see it? And Jesus says to them, you saw them, but you did not see me. And that's why you are not welcome in my kingdom. So this is all the nations are being blessed. And these people who have seen things this way have been blessed by God. Wonderful example of following God's call to servanthood is Agnes, Agnes Borjaksu. Anybody ever heard of Agnes? Agnes Borjaksu. She was born on the 26th of August 1910 in Macedonia. Macedonia is up in the Balkan states. At that time it was part of the Ottoman Empire. And 90% of the people in Agnes's community were Muslim. But Agnes and her family were Roman Catholic. The family were very poor. But they were happy, they loved God, they worshipped in a faith community. And even though they were poor, Agnes's mother was constantly giving to those less fortunate than themselves. So Agnes had this example of servanthood from her mother. And even when her father died, and they became even more destitute, this act of giving, willingness to serve, went on through Agnes's young life. At the age of 12, Agnes began to feel that God wanted her to serve in some way, but being a Roman Catholic, she didn't really want, and at 12, she didn't really want to be a nun. 
But by the time she was 18, she firmly believed that she was meant to belong completely to God. And it was through visiting missionaries to their town in Macedonia that she decided that she needed to go and serve when she heard of the plight of the people in India, all places. And so, at the age of 18, she applied to the Sisters of Loretto, who were a, an order of ministering nuns who were living in Dublin. And she decided that she would join them. So at the age of about 18, on the 26th of September, 1928, Agnes got on a, on a train to travel, make her journey across to, to Dublin, to the Sisters of Loretto, not realising at that time that she would never see her family again. Agnes made her way to Dublin. She started to learn English. She received her postulant's cap and she took the name Sister Mary Teresa of the Child of Christ. And in January the following year, she travelled to India. As a Loretto novice and began working in the convent school in Darjeeling, way up in the north of India very close to Calcutta. In 1937, at the age of 27, Agnes made her final vows, pledging herself to a life of chastity, poverty, obedience. Loretto nuns typically take the title of mother, so that at that point, Agnes Bojexu would be called Mother Teresa. Now, she continued to live in the convent until after the war. But then on September the 10th, 1946, Mother Teresa, while travelling on a train, heard God's call to leave the convent where she was protected, where she was safe, where she'd been teaching for nearly 20 years, and to go out into the streets to the poorest people and to live with them and she said it was an order from God and to fail would be to break faith. Her inspiration were the words of Jesus in Matthew 25. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me nothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. And so two years later, the missionaries of charity began their work in the streets of Calcutta. And September 10th is still remembered as Inspiration Day by the missionaries of charity. Mother Teresa started the work alone. But gradually... One and two, then 12 of her former students joined her. These students had been so impressed by Mother Teresa that they wanted to find a way that they could serve and they could help. And so they were totally dependent and received miracles. 
Mother Teresa's work grew and many were inspired to join her work and they were getting constant requests to expand, first throughout India, then throughout the world. And by the time of her death in 1997, there were 3,914 sisters in 594 missions in 123 countries. And now, there are 5,191 sisters in 792 missions in 139 countries around the world. Continuing Mother Teresa's legacy and giving wholehearted free service to the poorest of the poor. In 1979, Mother Teresa was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize. And in a 1999 Gallup poll, or Gallup, the Gallup organisation create Every year they create a list of, influence, of admired people. In 1999 they compiled a list of, list of the Americans most widely admired in the 20th century. List of people most widely admired by Americans in the 20th century. And Mother Teresa was first on that list. She was followed by Martin Luther King who I shared with you about last time I was here. An act of service, of Christian service, is defined as a time served modelling the attitude of Jesus in service to God's creation without receiving a reward or payment. The goal of the act should be to help build up others and make our world a more loving, happier, safer, cleaner and holier place. Some might think that Mother Teresa's reaction was extreme. She actively went out and found the hungry and the thirsty and the homeless and the sick. She made sure that they were treated with love and dignity. However, you must remember that she was living right amongst a society where those people were absolutely everywhere. She decided that the best way she could serve was to be amongst them, living with the destitute. You may be thinking, what can we do? We don't have extreme poverty all around us. But we can be watchful, as Jesus was asking his disciples to be. Jesus asked us to do something extraordinarily difficult. He asked us to see him... when we look at those around us. This is the difference between the way that we as Christians, when we serve, approach service, as opposed to, and I don't want to in any way demean or belittle the, the Red Cross, the Salvation Army, 
the, or, sorry, the Salvation Army, probably I shouldn't include in that sentence, the Red Cross, the Lions, the, all of the other charitable organisations around. It's the Christian way of looking at things is to see Jesus in the people that we are ministering to. That's the key. That's the key to service. The service, Christian service, is to see Jesus in people. So when we look at the homeless person with a sign around their neck, that's Jesus. The socially awkward person in the classroom or in the office, that's Jesus. Person serving you in the supermarket who seems exceedingly sad. That's Jesus too. If you ask yourself, what would I do for him? Well, your answer is exactly what you should do for those that we encounter who are in need. We may be tempted to think of Jesus' challenge as a burden. In reality, it is a rare opportunity. Every day, we have the chance to do something meaningful for Jesus himself. Now, I'm going to ask the band to come and we sing that song again about your kingdom is backwards, the kingdom song. So, thanks, guys. <laughs>